Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. The Working Audio Tools is back for another season of Mixing Mayhem, documenting our journey to becoming full-time mix engineers. I'm Ed Thorne, and this is my affable host, Paul Third. If you're, if you're listening to this, you can also be watching this on YouTube. And if you're watching this, you can also be listening to this. <laughs> In the show notes, there'll be all of our new links to this new improved and rejuvenated version of the podcast we are on youtube all the major streaming platforms instagram and tiktok and in the show notes you will also find and the descriptions of the videos you will also find a new and exclusive working audio tools 30 percent off discount link for DistroKid, who are sponsoring this podcast still for all of your musical distribution needs paul i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say it it's been emotional it's been has. emotional. <laughs> it's been it's been quite a while, and I know what I've been waiting for. This I've just been waiting for us to come back, and even better, we're back where we belong, which is YouTube. <laughs> that's our place, isn't it? That's chatting that's our... rubbish on YouTube. <laughs> Speaking of which, Paul, I should remind you not to swear. <laughs> really? <laughs> Are we still sticking to that? Are we? Well. I suppose we're not going to monetize the videos anyway, are we? Because no, uh, we're not. No, we we don't want to subject our viewers to that for the pittance money it's worth anyway. <laughs> so, Paul, what's been happening with you since our last episode, which is two or three months ago now? Well, I would like to say a lot, but um, not too much because I'm, the studio is still in the same place, which is it's quite infuriating for me because. Obviously, I want to get this finished because as soon as I get it finished, I could then start getting artists in, I could start recording, I could start producing, and I could start uh, doing the Atmos because the Atmos, we're nearly there, we're nearly there. It's the ceiling speakers that are like, they've been an absolute bollock because, long story short, right, I... I'm tight, and we all know I'm tight. And I didn't want to pay for, the, I didn't want to pay for the the um, the triad orbit uh, face plates <laughs> that come with the Kali LP sixes. Um, you can buy them separately, and I was like, nah, nah, I can just do it myself. Which basically means me going to my dad because he's handy. <laughs> going right, dad, this is what you need to make, and I need you to make it out of plywood. Um, so we were like mucking about and we got to a point where my dad got like lots of different things because like he's a, he's an electrician and we managed to make it work and it's quite heavy so I'm needing to like get these uh, specific you get these like plasterboard screws that like kind of open up uh, so they can take kind of like bigger weights oh yeah. yeah so like I'm to the point where we've got two of the frames we've got two of these back plates done and then once I get them done get the other two we'll have all of them up the frames actually, thank God you've just reminded me, I, they were probably meant to be here this week because I got them for free. Yeah, you know that? There's one word Paul Third loves, it's free. Gotta love free. Um, so yeah, they were Isn't meant to be... Isn't that why you became a YouTuber? Yeah, that is actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah interesting to, to hear about Atmos. I feel like it's, I feel like the NAM show is a long distant memory yeah, now and long time. everything on the Atmos front has gone a bit quiet. I sold a couple of speakers to a guy today who's building an Atmos room. In terms of speakers, I've been on a bit of a speaker journey in the last yes, few months. For anyone no, following been. me on Instagram, I've had the absolute pleasure and, and privilege, that's the only way I can describe it, of um, having companies and distributors send me very expensive speakers to try out. I tried some Barefoots. There'll be an interesting review about them. 
Um, the ATC SMC SEM 25As. Ooh, there's going to be a video on all this stuff. Uh, what else did I try? The PSI A23s, the present day production YouTube channel guys have created a speaker that, two speakers actually, there's a third one on the way. They are very, very good. There'll be some content with those guys coming soon. Why? I've just got the uh, X Machina pulsars to have a listen to. And, ooh, and PMCs. Whoa. PMC6s as a two-way are unbelievable. And I tried the PMC6s and I love them. Loved how they sound, but I didn't buy them. But there'll be a video about that. So that's been a whole interesting thing. Oh, I've also got Trinov on the way, Ooh, which is Trinov. like Sonarworks on absolute steroids from another planet a billion years evolved in the future. It's quite remarkable. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, ladies and thems, moving forward, the plans for the podcast are kind of, we want to push things quite far, far and wide. Uh, like, as I've said, we have our own YouTube channel now. If you're listening to this and if you're watching this, hello, <laughs> we can wave at you. <laughs> hello! Um, <laughs> The plan is to be doing some featured plugins, but the stipulation that Paul has laid down without any compromise is they have to be only plugins that we use. Yep. So we're not going to be flogging to you a whole bunch of plugins just because people are prepared to give us money. We don't want to become that channel. And I actually really respect you, Paul, for putting your foot down on that. That was a good shout. So there's going to be a couple of plugin features. They will coincide with one or two releases, maybe. But again, only if we actually think we'll use them. Yeah. Uh, I've got a list of plugins I want to review and discuss and go through. And if you are listening to this, you're going to be able to hear the audio examples. So we're going to step up the level of the podcast again a little bit. And if you watch it on YouTube, you're going to be able to see these in action as well, because we're going to be doing screencasts and screen grabs as if it was our own channels. However, it's on a new channel, the Working Audio Tools podcast or at Working Audio Tools on YouTube. We're also going to be continuing with some guests, and we have a, I mean, we have a remarkable guest. I'm quite impressed, Paul, that you pulled this off. See, thank Who, you. Do you, want to, do you want to tell, I guess we should tell people to reel them in yes. for episode two. Paul, who do we have as our first interviewee back with the new season of Working Audio Tools? Next week, I'll do the X Factor voice. Next week on the Working Audio Tools podcast, they, okay. Thank fuck for editing. Eh? <laughs> I'm going to leave that in now. You've said that. <laughs> right, okay, wait on that. Right. Next week on the Working Audio Tools podcast, the one, the only, the biggest audio geek on YouTube, Dan Worrell. Yes, we got Worrell. We got the geek himself. Yes, the Mac Daddy audio geek <laughs> on YouTube. He's a. Uh... He's, he's, he's a big fish to pull in, and uh, I, I've got quite a few questions for him, partly because he's a former live sound engineer. From Sheffield as well, Ed, from Sheffield, your Ooh. hometown. Ooh. And yep. he used to work at Fab Filter Plugins, so this guy knows his stuff. We're going to pick his brains and sound amateur next to him, but it's going to be <laughs> a lot of fun and should be very insightful for everyone. Now, if you think we're stopping there in terms of caliber of guests, oh, no, think again. Um, We're going to be getting some mix engineers on as well, one or two in the pipeline, but I'm not going to commit to saying who they are just yet. Something that still is in my mind as if it was just yesterday, Paul, uh, because I'm still buzzing off this, I swear, because I've taken so much away from it and I'm still thinking of ways I can incorporate 
what I learn into my mixes. And I have done. And I swear immediately it's been a step up. It's given me, as two things have given me a step up. One, what I'm about to mention. And two, the new speakers, which I'll put in a video because it's what I've learned has been life-changing. Um, but I'm still buzzing off the Jason Joshua seminar we went to at Abbey Road in July, two months ago now. Because a couple of things I learned from that. There was one plugin that stood out, and that's not necessarily learning something. But uh, I do want to talk about it. I'll do a screen grab section of this, which is the um, Spectre by Waves Factory, mm. which is kind of works like the Cranbourne Carnaby uh, 500 series unit, where it's like a parametric EQ, but for harmonics. So it's not bringing in EQ, it's bringing in harmonics at different yeah. frequency ranges. And as soon as I heard him turn that on and off on one, whatever track it was, his vocal sound made sense. That and the multiple layers of compression he uses. But just the sound and the texture he gets, it, ju it just blew my mind and made sense. And I've used it on a couple of mixes, including the one I sent you recently. Um, but I think I've got it a bit better since then. Uh, and it, uh, I think you would agree that's the best vocal sound yeah, I've got agree. in a mix. Yep. And the one I'm working on at the moment, which I think we'll be discussing in a couple of weeks' episodes after Dan Worrell, step up again in vocal sound. And this is partly because of this plugin, Spectre by Waves. I'll demonstrate that. Well, Waves Factory. Let's, let's get that right. right. Be careful when you mention Waves. Just remember, remember. <laughs> waves Factory. Okay. So I've got a Logic session here, and I'm going to demonstrate Spectre on a lead vocal. But let's hear it in context first. This is Blame It on the Whiskey by Robert John and the Rick from the Produce Like a Pro Academy Multitracks. Blame it on the whiskey. Blame it on a bad weed. Blame it on the only thing you've ever seen. So straight away, you can hear that the vocal's quite forward. It's quite prominent. There's lots of diction, lots of clarity, and a fair amount of air. Let's listen to this without any of the additional processing because I do have a few reverbs, a couple of parallel compressors, an analog chain. But I'm going to just leave the smart gate on to get rid of the breaths and turn off Spectre, and we can just hear that in isolation as it is. Blame it on the whiskey. Blame it on a bad weed. Blame it on the only thing you've ever seen. So it sounds good. It's a well-recorded vocal. The guy's a great singer. He's, I'm not had to do any tuning on his vocals. This is what we like. So pulling up Spectre. Spectre is a harmonic enhancer. What it is enabling us to do is to go through different frequency bands, select what kind of saturation we want, whether it's solid state, a tube option, tape saturation, diodes or digital or 8-bit saturation, and you can choose a different saturator for each band. So what you basically do is pull one of these cue points up and you can widen the cue point as much as you want, or you can drag and move it around and expand as much as you want. Now, I find this to be most useful at about one to two decibels of enhancement, more than that, and I feel it's a bit over the top, but with it, it just adds some nice sparkle. So hearing it with, so let's hear it with that again, and I'll bring it in so you can hear what it's doing. Blame it on the whiskey. Blame it on a bad weed. Blame it on the only thing you've ever seen. Run and tell your mother 
Blame it on your brother. Blame it on the only thing you've ever heard. So it's kind of subtle, and I think Jason uses it to quite an extreme, but it just elevates the vocal. Post-compression really gives them some presence in the mix. The Working Audio Tools podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at DistroKid for all of your musical distribution needs. Don't forget, you can't just upload your songs to Amazon, Spotify, iTunes, or Tidal. You have to go through a music distribution service. There are many out there, but DistroKid is the one that Paul and myself use. They don't take any of your royalties. You keep 100% of the streaming revenue that you earn. For just $1.92 a month or $22.99, a year, you can upload unlimited songs. Your lyrics can be found in Google and other places. You get the blue Spotify verified checkmark and you can create royalty splits between yourselves and fellow contributors. You also get access to the new DistroKid iPhone app for editing and uploading songs and accessing your statistics on the move. There are plenty of other tools available on DistroKid. We'll go through those in another section. That's all I have notes about. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, was a, it was a short episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, okay, I, I, let me flip it around to you so you can actually say something. Right, okay. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you remember the episode when you hadn't said anything for about an hour? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I've said. Ah, oh, that was the I was the Joe Car. I was the Joe Carroll one, wasn't it? I can't. I can't remember. It was because uh, you were on a bit drumming, and I was like, "Ah, oh, for fuck's sake!" Boring. <laughs> Well, um, I mean, so- we could talk about guitar pedals, and but I get enough of that on gigs, so yeah. I'd rather not. So, so Paul, what have you been working on, or, or, or how's your mixing progressed in the last couple of months since we last did an episode? Well, since the last time uh, we seen each other and we recorded an episode, which we were in London in your studio, I finally managed to finish the client album that I was working on, which ah. was a labour of love, but um, I'm happy. Uh, to say that it's finished. I'm still to receive the feedback from the client, so I'm still a bit like, uh, you know, that feeling's like me, like, oh, I've not got the feedback yet, but I'll be patient. But I learned a lot, like a lot of stuff from mixing that album. And kind of what I learned the most was how key workflow is. And, you know, that was what Jason was talking about, like the whole time at the Mix with the Masters session at Abbey Road. And, you know, it was me sitting back thinking, right, how could I get the sim that I'm after but do it kind of more consistent and have a template like Jason? So I, throughout the whole process, I was playing about with certain things and I ended up at the very end, like the last two or three mixes, with a template that I'm now really happy with. Um, I have been playing about with a few new plugins, as like I always do, I can't help myself. Um, I've been playing about with Isotope Ozone 11 that's just came out and Nectar 4. Nectar 4 has, um, I've never really liked it before, but I kind of found that it works kind of quite good now with the new update because it's got this, basically like it's like Waves um, the Vocal Rider. It's got that in it, which I, I prefer it. And the recommendations are a little bit better and it works well with the ceilings of sound. Like I'm still EQing to noise and stuff like that. Um, and so I'm still doing a lot of the stuff I was doing before, but I'm just trying to simplify it. I'm trying to do less EQ moves and just less moves overall, just trying to get to the end result, but 
as quickly as physically possible. Like I don't, I've got to the stage where I realize that when you give yourself so many different kind of chains and so many different options, it's very easy to lose your way. Where if I kind of just have a setup where I go, right, I do that, 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 and I can do um, the easy stuff. So I've got my compression template. I've got the way I like to EQ kind of roughly. I've got many things kind of set in stone. So I get to a point where I can do my premix, rattle that out. Everything's level. Everything's like suppressed. All the resonances are sorted out. Everything's deharshed. Go into the mixing session, go through the template. I know the way it works, like the way Jason does, how he just knows how everything works. If I need to tweak things, I could tweak things slightly. And then I could focus the rest of the mix on the feel. So I focus on the automation, I focus on the effects. And it's been kind of me trying to figure out how I get that balance of depth and width. Because I I think I was mixing quite wide, but I wasn't happy with my mono compatibility. So I've been working on that and trying to see ways that I can get the width without using, kind of abusing stage one as much because I, I, I remember the the Misty Gonzalez record and you were like I love that kind of width um, yeah that was impressive that but the problem I've got is that when I put that into mono I kind of you kind of lost it a little bit and that's right the downside obviously if you're kind of going too wide with things and there's certain ways that you can manipulate things to still have good mono compatibility so I've been working on that and uh, I've been playing about with sidechaining quite a lot. That's been the, the biggest thing I would say. Fuse, uh, Fuser from Mastering the Mix came out. I prefer that to Track Spacer. I prefer it. Um, Ooh, I do. that's I, a big statement. I prefer that um, compared to Track Spacer on... Actually, it's Soothe as well. I was doing the Jason Joshua um, Soothe sidechain for kick and bass. I swapped over to Fuser. Yeah. I prefer Fuser and I prefer it on um, guitar and snare. So every time the snare hits the guitar, bustle, duck. But on the. Ooh, I never with, thought of that. That's a good idea. Yeah. And then with the vocal, um, what I do is I'm actually using both. I'm using Track Spacer and Fuser. So Fuser's doing the mid side element of it. So what I like about Fuser is that I'll take, I'll listen to the stereo signal and it'll figure out the, analyze the frequency clashing for mid and side and then whatever kind of takes priority or whatever will work better um, it'll take whatever it needs to take out of the mid or the side channel and then again you can manipulate you can choose which one you take but what I like about um, track spacer is that if I feel that I'm still not getting enough of a of a pocket like the instrument bus isn't kind of creating as much as a, of a space around the vocal then I can just go to track spacer and just do a little bit so I've kind of got the mid-side frequency clashing sorted, um, but I've still got the stereo side of it sorted where if I still feel the vocal needs a bit more of a pocket, I can do it. So I, I'm using both on for vocals, but track spacer's doing way, way less. And it's just whether I feel that Fuser isn't giving me enough for me to get the vocal to poke through. Fuser is from, it's the new plugin from uh, Mastering the Mix, yep. If for those of you who don't know, who do, uh, Tom Frampton, who runs that. I think he's on his own doing that company. That's crazy. He's got some remarkable plugins. Paul, I'd say that was a a, a podcast worth of wealthy information <laughs> just there. Uh, I, I mean, can waffle. Uh, I can waffle. <laughs> no, but I mean, uh, just just using Fuser and Trackspacer um, to different advantages. 
Mm-hmm. And interesting that you prefer Fuser over um, Sooth. I haven't tried it on kick and bass yet. What I have tried it on is separating bass and guitars and then guitars and organs mm-hmm. on the track we're going to do in a couple of weeks. And uh, it, I didn't quite go into as much detail as mid-side with it, but um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. It's it's it, it does something. I couldn't quite put my fingers on what it was, but all of a sudden it was like, ooh, space and separation. So uh, I felt like it was cheating there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll mention one thing before I forget, because you know what I'm like. I just jump I just jump into things. Uh, see, um, in terms of Ozone 11, there's a new module called Clarity, and it's basically um, Gulfos, but I prefer it way, way, way more than Gulfos. I've actually stopped using Gulfos because I couldn't really hear that much of an audible difference. But see, this Clarity it is very, very, very good. Like, I'm talking... Like I used it on the guitar bus to take out a bit of mud and then I put it on the mix bus and it just creates this openness. It's like any kind of... Well, basically what it is, it's basically like a, like a multi, multi, multi-band EQ, tons of bands, and I think it's like 300 hertz and up, maybe higher. Basically set the, the mix or whatever source you put it through to pink noise. So it's very close to pink noise. But honestly, see, when you use Clarity, it does what it says on the tin. It just takes out any elements of mud in your mix and enhances things. And obviously, because it's dynamic, it's moving all the time like Gulfos. But I, I really, really like it. That could be a big, big, big plugin for me. I said, well, I'll, tr- I'll try and see if I could get you set up with that one because the RX stuff is like the best. Re- the Isotope RX is like the best restoration tools I've ever used. See if I could maybe use it at the end of the the two bus because I was speaking to Emra during the week. And he said he uses the the mastering assistant only to kind of show him what it recommends. And then he'll maybe go to the mix if he feels like it, there's anything that he needs to tweak. So that's kind of something that I'm going to try as well. But yeah, clarity from Ozone, like 11. Mwah, beautiful. Really, really, really good on the mix boss. At what point do we feel like all of these AI... This isn't AI. Wrong. Um, now right. the reason the reason it's not AI is because it's set to fixed parameters. So again, its target is basically pink noise. So it's imagine having like a multi-band EQ with a ton, a ton, a ton of bands, and its main focus is just to get each band to the point where it's hitting whatever like pink noise should be. So it's not really AI. It's just a very, very, very clever um, multi-band. I wouldn't say it's clever. Okay. It's just a it's just a multi-multi-band EQ um, that does a very 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 good job but at what point are these uh so we say automatic mixing plugins taken away from the skill of separating stuff i, I don't know i'm going to quote you because in, okay. in a previous episode you did say that wh- why not just use technology to work smarter not harder which was yep. a fair point that was a uh, short conversation. I know, it's very sick. You caught us off guard there. <laughs> um, right, okay. In terms of that conversation, it's always, you always have to bring it back to who's using it, okay? Like any form of technology, it's only utilized best when it's in the hands of somebody who understands how to use it to its full potential. So, yes, um, AI is getting into a place where it can do a lot for you. But, you know, at the end of the day, I use these tools to, do what I kind of see as the boring stuff, you know what I mean? Just kind of 
doing the stuff that I would do anyway, but doing it quicker. But there isn't any plugins that could do a pull third. Like there isn't any plugins that could get the depth that I hear and get the you know the vision. You know what I mean? There, there's to me, there's never going to be an AI plugin that's going to get the vision of an engineer. Like I always hear the sound of the record when I start to mix it, and I kind of always got this vision of where I'm going to. Um, you could probably get plugins in the future that will be able to do entire mixes, but again, there's always got to be some form of fixed parameter involved. In, in humans, in our nature, we are subjective beasts, and you know what we like today is probably going to be something that we dislike tomorrow. The amount of times that like me and you have done mixes, and we've like, yes. This is the best mix I've done in my career. I love it. And and then like the next week you're like, oh, I can hate that mix. Fucking hell. Mm. Hate it. Can't even listen Every to it anymore. Time. Every time. Every <laughs> time. Yep. So yeah, I, I don't really think that the humanistic element is ever going to be taken out of it. I just think that if, and, and again, I find it interesting how people are, like they're scared of AI, almost like AI is going to, like have this ability to self-assess the audio industry and it's got you know a, a, a consciousness and it's going to say right okay if i get all the other plugins together i get all my mates together we can make this big massive plugin and we could just we could replace mixing engineers but at the end of the day right there's a lot of money in the audio industry and mix engineers again are a big part of that so obviously when you're thinking about selling plugins okay the producer and the songwriter part of the audio industry is huge, it's massive, bigger than mix engineers and producers. But at the end of the day, you know, the humanistic element is the thing that I think people pay for. People say it all the time, you pay for people's tastes at the end of the day. Because at the end of the day, if AI could do what it can do, everything's just going to sound the same. And that's not how we make records. That's why over the years you would have, you know, um, a big artist and it would go to CLA then it would go to Spike or it would go to Serbin or sometimes there's been mixes that can go to five or six mixers <laughs> just because they all have different flavours and different tastes and that's why there'll be different mixers scattered throughout the album so again as long as the humans remain in control of it I can't see it going anywhere unless there's a very clever plugin developer who sees the dollar signs and is just like you know what to scrap all the mixing engineers and all the producers I'll just make a plug-in and I'll capitalise from all the songwriters and all the the guys making beats and stuff like that <laughs> they don't want to be mixed engineers but at the end of the day if you do that then you're going to alienate a massive massive market I mean if you talk about the audio industry being a cash cow I mean just think about the amount of money that plug-in developers make from guys like us and audio engineers producers mix engineers so as long as we remain in control and we don't let it get too far then we're going to be fine I just think that just now we're in a good place because people are making tools that are basically doing what we would do anyway but they're just making it easier and quicker and if it stays like that then happy days I don't see an issue in it what's your take on it? Uh, I'm still undecided on AI I'd still like to try and utilise some of it for um, video processing for example uploading a video and getting AI to give me you know, three one-minute reels out of it because yeah. that's putting reels together is time-consuming. Um, other than that, for for audio stuff, uh, I mean, the Sonable plugins are, are, are great. Um, we've got a few of those coming up uh, in on the podcast. Other than that, I can't say I've really got an opinion on it because I am enjoying the learning process. Well, it's a love-hate relationship, isn't it? 
Yeah. Uh, as you said, you listened to a mix you did last week and you can't stand it. But then the one you're working on, you're really excited about and you're trying all these new techniques and new plugins. And uh, I'm sure the listeners, as I have, have just got half a dozen ideas off you on that little <laughs> monologue rant monologue <laughs> you, you went on um and for me it's all about learning so ai can uh, i i'd like to figure out ways it can help me streamline doing the stuff i don't want to do yeah totally. um I, I i enjoy learning i, th I think learning is it's, someone said it was the fountain of youth i know who said that it was dom famularo who is an incredible and extraordinary drum educator in the states and he said, learning is the fountain of youth. I'm always learning, so I never feel old. And those words resonated with me, and they didn't really make sense until probably about 10 years later. Whereas now they do, and I, I love constantly learning stuff, and I'm quite proud that I've amassed quite a lot of different skills in different areas. There's definitely a balance between, again, always being in control. As long as you're in control of your tools, then you'll be fine. That's something that I... I've got a video coming out this week, and it's basically a video talking about if I was able to like go get like a quantum leap watch, you know, like the, the, the wee watch and quantum leap back into like nine years ago and speak to myself coming straight out of uni and kind of be like, right, Paul, these are the things that like, if you do this, your life's going to be way, way, way easier. And, you know, a lot of what I've learned is just taking the time to learn the craft. Because if you learn the craft, things will get easier. But if you spend your time buying lots of signature plugins and thinking that plugins are, the, are going to make you a better mixer, it's never going to happen. You've got to always be in control. You've always got to be, in, like, as a mixer, I always see it like, it's like being a pilot a little bit. It's like, I remember I was speaking to somebody who I knew was a pilot and they were like, Paul, I went, see, to be a pilot, you've got to like, you've got to know absolutely everything about how to fly a plane. We went, see, really? <laughs> and a lot of the times, a lot of it's automated, Paul. You know what I mean? A lot of the times you just watch us sitting back, just the odd little move. But if things were to go wrong, we know how to manually drive that, yeah. uh, fly that plane. And that's kind of where I see mixing where, yeah, there's lots of kind of tools now that could kind of do a lot of these things for you. But if something goes wrong, then you know how to manually fix it. Again, you can manually fly the plane. So again, it's always about being in control. That's the main, the main thing. As a mixer, you should always be in control of the mix. Yeah, that was that's much like how I felt about live sound. It was, yeah, most things are fine, but it's when things do hit the fan. How yeah. quick you are at problem solving was what distinguished you from, you know, less experienced people. Yeah. Now, you mentioned something earlier uh, regarding mono compatibility, and I thought about this week because uh, on my speaker journey, I've been um, compiling a list of mix reference tracks, which I think is searchable on Spotify. It's Ed Thorne mix reference mm. tracks. You can hear what I've been uh, studying these speakers with. And I tested the mono compatibility on some of the tracks, say from the 90s, early 2000s. And they didn't work well. They, they yeah. collapsed in, in mono. Because um, a lot of them are LCR. Like a lot of CLA mixes are LCR. And that's the thing. If you've got like heavy rock stuff and your whole thing is like guitars hard panned left and right, then you're always going to struggle a bit in mono. Like you're always going to look. Marcel, our, our in-house mastering engineer, I was speaking to him about it and he was like, Paul, I went genre specific a lot of times. Like a lot of heavy rock stuff are just things that are uh, heavy guitar based. LCR, a lot of guys do LCR. And I went, Paul, you're going to always lose width in the guitars. It's, it's just part and parcel of kind of having that LCR approach. 
Yeah, Marcel Blessing pulled me up on um, on uh, mono compatibility on one mix we did. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, in the previous iteration of the the podcast, and I, <laughs> I I found it a bit frustrating to be honest because I was like, no one's listening in mono, so why does it matter? But I, I guess there are reasons for it, well, pros and cons. Maybe that could on. be a, a question for Dan. This next one week. here. Come on, think about it. Yeah, da- but da- flip it, flip your phone. But for those not watching YouTube, uh, Paul's showing me his <laughs> his rather uh, compensatory sized mobile phone. <laughs> what, what's compensated about that? <laughs> it's massive. <laughs> it's because I watch YouTube on it. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and uh, yeah, but my argument is turn it sideways and they're stereo, or put headphones in and then it's stereo. Yeah, but I can't Not do that because. But, but have you noticed that most phones now? Again, you won't see this if you listen to the podcast. But most phones nowadays don't have the quarter jack or whatever. They don't have the jack for headphones anymore. So you, it's like they're gearing up for everything to be Bluetooth now. But I do notice that a lot of people do listen on their phones because we live in a a very phone-driven society. Like, who do you know that doesn't have a phone and isn't glued to their phone? And isn't on Instagram, isn't on TikTok, isn't on Facebook, isn't on YouTube. True, true. You know but I'll mean? be honest, Paul, I'll be honest, Paul, there is always that dickhead at the back of a bus with his phone on <laughs> loud, without his headphones or her or them or they had their headphones on. And those are the kind of people who I couldn't give a fuck what their opinion was about. Yeah, they can true. listen in mono, fuck them. There we go. <laughs> Swearing went, went out the window. Uh, Sorry, YouTube. Quality. So- <laughs> Sorry, kids. <laughs> on that blonde bombshell... Um, <laughs> was there anything blonde? else I wanted to talk about? Blonde? Who's blonde in here, Ed? There's no blonde people in here. <laughs> Fucking blonde next to you, you <laughs> strawberry ginger. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm not going to edit this out. I'm just going <laughs> to leave it. It's the first quality. episode back and we're making an impression and probably alienating half the listeners. Yeah, if great. you have got this far in the podcast, uh, thank you for listening. It's been a pleasure. It's always a, it's always a fun chat. Uh, with Paul, um, I, I would like to thank DistroKid. Uh, get thirty percent off your first year subscription, I believe, in the link below. You'll hit. You'll no doubt hear some uh, adverts from those guys. But again, like the plugins, Paul and I do genuinely use DistroKid yeah, for yeah. distributing our music. So we're not selling you something we're not using, which we are yep. going to be adamant on throughout this process. Um, do follow us on Instagram. And TikTok. I don't understand how TikTok works, yeah, but Paul has but de- designated me TikTok manager, which is yeah. a terrible idea. I However, I do understand how Instagram works, and I quite like it. So feel free to get in touch and ask us questions. We have a big guest coming. Now, what you could do is let us know who you'd like us to get mm. on the podcast. I mean, obviously, like Chris Lord Algie, I'd be optimistic to get him on but I met him at Nam. did I did we I think we discussed that didn't yeah, we yeah that was a, quite funny in yeah. a previous episode <laughs> that was a disaster you got brick walled <laughs> <clears throat> oh. moving swiftly on um, <laughs> Paul I, I feel like that's a solid episode that sums up our welcome back keep an eye out for us Paul I, I, I'm going to put you on the spot again I think you should round out the podcast Every you should love I this can, I hate that <laughs> Right, okay, so right, next week, obviously, we've got Dan Worrell on. Now, it's not going to be what you think it is. It's not going to be, like, all just talking about YouTube and all about, like, heavy, heavy geeky stuff. If it goes geeky, it goes geeky. But me and Ed are very interested in 
talking to Dan about his audio journey, his mixing journey, his production journey, because he is a songwriter and he makes his own songs and he is a mixing engineer and he did have his own studio in Sheffield. Okay. Yeah, back in the day. So for me, um, Sheffield, Sheffield, why? Um, I would like to, you know, de- to kind of dive into his um, audio journey because at the end of the day, that's what this podcast is all about. The podcast is all about me and Ed discussing our audio journeys and I think that by having these guests on instead of just doing like the old usual yeah so tell us about where you're from it's better it's like getting them on blind date is it <laughs> audio engineers well tell us your name tell them where you're from <laughs> tell me your five favorite mixes right <laughs> oh mixer one mixer one if you if you had a guitar what would you play me so what would you serenade me yeah, we should do that. We should do an audio mixer blood. No, we shouldn't do an audio mixer blood. I don't know about I would, I would watch that. That sounds like a, <laughs> an arousing show. <laughs> yeah, like working audio tales after dark, right? Uh, next week, I do want to kind of dive into his journey. And when we get guests on, again, we do want to focus on their audio journey as well. And we, we do have a lot of audio YouTubers in our network. And we, we are planning on getting a few audio YouTubers on as well but trying to bring ourselves back into the journey and speak to them about their mixes. Because I do think that's something that we do lose sight of because audio YouTube is a very set way and you kind of do have to do things a very set way and you're trying to follow the audience and a lot of the times your audience isn't really interested in your audio journey. But we are audio engineers and I think it's very important that we remind people that we are audio engineers. We do make music, we do produce, we do mix. Some of us master as well. So it's it's important to discuss those journeys in the hope that you guys and girls listening and watching at home uh, will be able to take something from their journey and their experience. How was that, Eduardo? Eh? Was that good enough for you? That was a beautiful ending, I, and I, 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 I'll top it off how I started it and say it's been emotional. Oh, here he goes. Yeah, Thanks for it's... watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next Bye-bye. week. Bye-bye. The Working Audio Tools podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at DistroKid for all of your musical distribution needs. For a little bit more, $39.99 a month, you can have two artists on your roster, which includes everything just mentioned. Additionally, synced lyrics in Apple Music, further streaming analytics statistics, you can create a customizable record name. Mine, for example, is Ed Thorne Rhythm and Records. And you can customize release dates, pre-order dates, iTunes pricing, and again, much more. Now, if you're an artist manager or a record label, the Ultimate Bundle gives you up to 100 artists for just $89.99 a year. And you get one terabyte of instant file sharing, which is useful, but also contact information for thousands of playlist curators on Spotify. This is really useful, so you can pitch your artist music to playlist curators around the world, only available in the Ultimate Bundle from DistroKid.